Welcome to the Kill Your Internet Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 59 of the Kill Your Internet Podcast presented by High Brew Coffee. With you, as always, is your boy, Colin. Uh, with us tonight to my left is the Lord, Mr. Roast Malone, Eric Burke. Eric, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And to my right, we have Mr. Ken Bianco. And my right. Mr. Cambiano. Two rights. Two rights. Right. Two rights do make a left, in fact. All right, good to know. Uh, we are recording live tonight from what was our rehearsal studio and is now a demolition zone. Uh, if you look around, uh, Eric has decided to change the entire layout of the rehearsal studio, and we're kind of just sitting in a construction zone right now. So, Eric, how, how's the update doing so far? Uh, the update is well. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is so fucked. The phase <laughs> is initiated. Yeah, like little. I walked in today, and like, cause I, Eric had been here for a while, and I thought like when I walked in, he was gonna be like having like a hard hat and goggles on, like, <laughs> like in the nah, process of doing Philly suit. <laughs> he's in here in sweatpants and a t-shirt, and he's like, yeah, we're not, My we're hands. not, we're not building anything today. So it looks like in the camera that we're in the corner of someone's garage. Yeah, we in the like we're in the garage. <laughs> Like so someone's <laughs> mom's over there, like Billy. Yeah. Dude, your friends want these snacks. Shut the fuck up, mom. Mom, we're podcasting. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah, so we are we are currently in our in our rehearsal studio that is completely deconstructed. We have two by fours and we have planks over there. All of our musical gear is just piled up, fucking mile high. Uh, so I, I said to Eric, it'd be really funny if like we walked in there. He's like, yeah, I'm not redoing this. <laughs> I don't got to rebuild. Well, you this is how you get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, it's one of those things like when you make plans and you can cancel plans, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Eric's just like, yeah, dude, I don't know. I'm just not doing it. So this is what our room looks like. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the fuck you thought this shit was going to look like after day one. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the There's mad hardware. I filled up. Where's I, the lobby fountain? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I thought there was a concierge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my shit. god it just looks like i don't know like i walked in and i was so disoriented because we had we had like shelves and like fucking crates everywhere and we had like a like a nice desk and now we don't and now we don't now it just looks like a really really sad like holding cell with a at like a jail i don't it will eventually get it back to normal i, I, I don't know how long do you think it, what what's our estimate here contractor how long until we get this back to normal well it's not going to be what i want it to be for like Anytime soon. Sounds like a real contractor to yeah, me. He's unionized. So he <laughs> yeah. Can take his Eric's time. like, yeah, I joined a union, so you guys are gonna have to definitely <laughs> pay me more per yeah. hour. Yeah, the mafia will be involved. <laughs> um, no, um, just a porta potty outside. Hey, where's the fucking uh, gabagool? <laughs> My grandma's in heaven right now, looking down on me, just shaking her head. Uh, in oh, pride. In pride. <laughs> we just finished up this week our Nashville interviews. On Tuesday, we had uh, Trey Sasser and Joe Costa, our, our Nashville dads. <laughs> uh, thank you to everybody who participated in Nashville Week. Uh, we have an amazing interview today. We have a band favorite, Mr. Tyrone Johnson from the Mike Missinelli Show on 97.5 The Fanatic here in Philadelphia, Sixers Outsiders on NBC Sports Philadelphia. We had an hour and 20-minute conversation that ranges from sports to what they cover on the show to our favorite era in hip-hop mixtapes, and we end it with Dipset Talk, and I tell a great story about how my mom accidentally bought me a Jim Jones CD instead of a Jack Johnson CD for Christmas one year. <laughs> Very similar sounds there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so great right next to it in Walmart. <laughs> uh, literally, I'll tell the story later, but like I open it, and I was like, I was like oh. Jim Jones. <laughs> My mom was like, that's what you wanted, right? And I was like, well, Jack Johnson, yes. but it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling! Yeah. But uh, no, so great interview coming up today. 
Uh, we've been incredibly busy with the podcast. We've been incredibly busy working on new music. Uh, our Dropbox folder of new songs is getting further and further along every week. Look like a Bible. I want to give Eric Burke a shout out for, we had had this conversation about being more collaborative in the way that we write. And Eric came to the studio the night with this amazing riff. And we've already built a song around it. It happened the same night that he brought it. Have you, Have you? because you were one of the people that was a big proponent of doing it more of a collaborative way. Have you got what you've wanted thus far? Like, Do you feel like like we're doing it in a, in a, a less traditional Foxtrot way? I guess. I mean, it's not about me getting what I wanted. No, it's no, about, not that at all. But like, you proposed the I mean, idea. I'm pretty fucking smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can noodle around the... I know my way around the instrument. Yeah, from time <laughs> to time. Uh, so. I've, I've been super happy with all the new songs, and we have some really cool people that want to be involved. And I'm, I'm just looking... F- I was looking forward to doing something a little different. And we talked about it amongst the band, but I think a lot of musicians can kind of, you know, cop to this as well, that during quarantine... We were throwing a lot of shit at the wall because we had time, and we went in and we recorded something recently that basically had like 35 tracks on it before we got to guitars or vocals, and I think that was like a stop button for me to be like, hey, maybe we should try and simplify some things, and I think that's where we're moving towards, um, but yeah, we were supposed to practice tomorrow. Uh, we'll see whether or not we can get in here and make To be that. determined. We will. We will. Oh, yeah. We'll. <laughs> we'll have Erica sitting on top of the two-by-fours over there. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is just sitting yeah. there yelling at us from top of the two by fours. Jimmy's drum sets just on this pile back here. Speaking <laughs> of Jimmy, happy birthday to our beloved Jimmy Boat. Uh, he turns 87 today. Dude, he looks great for his age. <laughs> Jimmy's doing the most Jimmy thing possible, and he's three days into a trip to the Borgatas. <laughs> nice. Victor Jimmy's it. sitting at a slot yeah. machine just with like a carton of cigarettes, just yeah. like he's just pulling the got lever. That, yeah, that perfect time lever pull. 63 hours. They're just bringing him <laughs> drinks. He's at like. <laughs> Jimmy's just got like you know you ever seen like when you go to a, like a sports game and like you like you get the plastic cups in there and you just start stacking them one on top of each other. Jimmy's <laughs> just got plastic cups from the casino stacked over the slot machine. You build a house. So no one bothers Jim, him. Jimmy put it. Jimmy put a dollar in the slot machine. He's now at a dollar twenty five in sixty eight <laughs> hours. He's like, it's been a roller coaster, man. We've been up, we've been down, <laughs> but we're netting positive right now. <laughs> Making winkies over here. <laughs> Yo, that's my all-time favorite term for money. I remember I went to the casino one time with our beloved Rye Hannah. You know Rye? Oh, yeah, right. And uh, we were at the roulette table, and uh, he he hit, and he went, ooh, we netting winkies. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what the fuck are winkies? And he's like, money, dude. <laughs> so netting winkies means you win money. That's uh, not what I had in mind, but. That is now... Uh, we're going to have a segment when Eric and Ken gamble on the weekends. <laughs> it's called Net and Winkies. <laughs> How do you do for the weekend? I'm in. It's not, doing, it's not looking good right now. Update for me. But well, don't worry. Masters weekend. We're gonna, don't worry because most things are getting canceled. Every college football game. I saw Chaps from Barstool tweeted right before you came on. He said, Halloween parties have ruined college football. There's been like six big games canceled for the weekend. Yeah, I almost my roommate tested positive for COVID because he went to a Halloween party. Oh yeah, party. <laughs> newly, newly, definitely COVID negative. Ken Bianco sitting here next to me. Thanks, guys. It was the hardest test I ever passed. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "All right, sir, drop your pants." Ken's like, "Wait, I thought this was a COVID test." He's like, "Oh yeah, my bad." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, oh, okay. Ken's pants are already around his ankles. He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, whatever." No, no, that was Ken Blanco. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the guy with the butt problems, are you? I will say I was a little I disappointed. I have hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get the blip. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, other than that, you know, last time we were on, we had our breaking news update. It was during the election when we had no idea what the fuck was going on. We oh, still, yeah. we know what's going on, but we technically don't know what's going on because somebody doesn't want to take their L. 
I I don't know what else to say about that, but take it and smoke it, man. Take it and smoke it, dude. You're, it's your L, dude. You you <laughs> let, rolled let, it. Let me hand it to you personally. Yeah. This whole thing. We'll I go rolled to, it. I won't even smoke it first. <laughs> we we will go to our uh, our fellow political correspondent over here, Mr. Ken Bianco. Me and Ken half ass study political science in college. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's no historic. What's Dorks. the historic? Is there historical <laughs> precedent for this? I guess two thousand nah, because they were. I wasn't a very good political science student. But, uh, <laughs> Ken's like, uh. I mean, I'm sure now over to Eric. <laughs> maybe not in the uh, modern era have tried. Not I mean, two thousand is what you would think of when they can tell, but they did it. It was more like there was actual recounts. Like it was things like it wasn't like you know what they're cheating. I can't be losing. They're cheating. Yeah, it, it, there it, was there was a basis. I think to some degree. Yeah, that's debatable whether how you look at it. But this, I don't see most people. Believing this fraud, uh, the, there's a certain sect of people. Well, that I, know, for some I know reason there's a ju- certain sect, but I think most of us. I've had plenty of awkward conversations to live with the results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had plenty yeah. of awkward conversations with family members. They're like, "Can you believe all the fraud that's going on?" I'm like, "Dude, are you fucking Plus, kidding?" Me? Even when they do yeah. the recounts, they only get like how much many votes back. Not enough for him to to topple. overtake. This yeah. is the funny part to me is that people are going along with this, but. Before there was any, there is still no proof of fraud. Before there was any hints of it, it was like they were still in the process of counting. And 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 Trump was like, "They're cheating! They're cheating!" They're like, "Oh my God, where's the proof?" And he's like, "Proof? He's like, <laughs> obviously they're cheating. I mean, look at it, dude. You don't say. He's look like, at the oh, numbers. Oh, the rapper. <laughs> 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 proof. Shot. Oh, rest in peace, proof. Yeah. Um, but no, this whole thing is fucking wild to me, and I, I can't believe this is actually going on. Joe Biden must just be sitting there like, come on, dog. I got shit to do. <laughs> like, I don't know. I always thought if you were president and then you like took that L and didn't get reelected, that's got to be so... Like, it's like, oh, the heat's off me. My four years are up. I can yeah. just... Cancel plans. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah. got to feel great for him to be like, oh, my God, I don't got to do this He's anymore. He's like, sick. Now I can go from golfing four days a week to six days a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just not on the taxpayer's I mean, knowing, money anymore. Knowing Trump, he'll, whether he wins or loses, he's going to, he'll be like a farewell tour. He'll travel yeah. around the country, play the hits. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. He'll dance to the YMCA in a really weird way. The Magna fans can get their merch. Yo, have you ever seen the, <laughs> the thing now? And it's like, you ever seen him dance on stage? He does the same weird dance all the time. Yeah. And somebody tweeted out, it's like, yo, it looks like Trump's jerking off ghosts. <laughs> and my man is just going like this. He's going. Oh, it's man. amazing. But, uh, yeah, dude, Donnie, Donnie, take your L, dude. Here's your L. Take it. Uh, let's move into the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. And take a seat, too. Bro. Take a seat, bro. Uh, the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. We'll start off. There was a story that came out. Uh, there was a drunk woman uh, that was arrested on a flight from Jacksonville, Florida to New York. <laughs> First off, where else would it start but Jacksonville? This woman got drunk, threw up on herself, and then got down to her underwear and disrupted an entire flight, and they arrested her afterwards. And her mugshot is glorious. She's just, like, cheesing. Have you... <laughs> Do you know how hard it would have to be to get that drunk on a... Actually, you could be doing the termies, some terminal yeah. beers before you get on the plane. I think me and Eric uh, got on a plane drunk once in Nashville. Me and you. Yeah, I've, been, I've been drunk on a plane. You know, I remember, like, that... Dude, I think we were rushing to get to the airport at, like, 5 a.m., stop drinking at, like, 4 a.m. <laughs> like, 4.50. Dude, literally, man, I remember, like, falling Dropped asleep. your loco I outside prob- of the I van. I probably <laughs> fell asleep in the wrong terminal. We did. Then, like, we fell asleep yeah. in the California. I think it was Slice going to Cali. Yeah. <laughs> And then we Eric woke up. our suckers. <laughs> yeah, and then I woke up on the flight. Oh, what? You don't even remember getting on the flight? <laughs> That's banging. I do remember. Mm, I think I, we were going through security, and the guy just eyed me and Eric up and down and felt we were drunk and not a threat. And he's just like, all right, come through this metal detector from, like, 1980. <laughs> 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 
it turns out you these losers aren't going to do anything. Well, you know, you know, you know my drunk airport story or my hungover airport story. Or you shit your pants? I did not shit my pants. I threw up on myself. Well, now I got to tell it. I was coming home from my honeymoon, and the night before, me and my wife had done like cooking class, and then went out with all the people from the cooking class. By the way, we were like we're twenty seven. Everybody else in the class is like fifty. They're like rich people, and they think we're hilarious because we're like kids. And uh, they take us out. We get bottles of wine, drinking champagne, wine, whiskey, all this. And uh, our flight was at like 5 a.m. at a room. And uh, I woke up at like 3, and the room was spinning. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and so I, uh, yes. <laughs> I get ca- I get car sick, too. So this dude picks us up. Just so you know, if you ever catch a cab in Europe, they drive like animals, dude. The cabbies there, like, they just whip. They whip through traffic. So I'm in the back just spinning, <laughs> and I get out. Earth yeah. <laughs> Shall I take the, the, the roundabout through Hounslow and Staines? <laughs> this fucking Middle Earth just take me to the airport. So we get to the airport. I'm in a Sixers hoodie, a Jeff cap, jeans, and boots like an idiot. And Always I am describing outfits. Bro. I am. Well, uh, no, this <laughs> has to do with the vomit. No, the hoodie has to do with the vomit. So I threw up on the boots. <laughs> <laughs> so we get through security. It took us like an hour, and then you have to go get your 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 uh, passport check. So I'm sweating bullets. The room is spinning. I'm like sitting on the ground in this big crowd, like Indian style. Like I am like dying, and uh, <laughs> so we get through the first security. And I'm like, all right. Just get your passport checked. Go throw up in the bathroom and be all right. We go to the line for for the passport check, and the line is longer than the original line. <laughs> so Dana looks at me. And she's like, "I'm so sorry. I don't like. I don't know what to tell you." So I'm sitting there, and I can keep feeling the like the puke about to come up, and I'm like, "Fight it down, dude. Fight it down." I get to the front of the line, and all of a sudden, my mouth gets real hot. <laughs> and oh. we're the next people to get our passports checked. And I was like, "Dana, hold my shit. I gotta go throw up." She was like, "Are you serious? Like we're about to go through an international checkpoint here?" And I was like, "I don't know what to do." So I like run out of the line. And I, I'm full on sprinting, trying to find a bathroom. I am in a room with no doors. Like, I am trapped. So, You're in, here. in the most <laughs> pathetic way humanly possible, I sit down on a bench. <laughs> and I just, like, I looked at the ground with my head in my hands. And I was like, okay, you and I stood up, and the second I stood up, I was like, nope. <laughs> and I covered my mouth with my hand, and I threw up all over the ground in this Italian airport. But when I put my hand over my mouth, the puke deflected everywhere all over me. Oh. So I'm in a, I'm in like a cotton hoodie that is uh. covered head to toe in puke, and my uh. phone starts ringing, and it's my wife, and she's like, get your ass over here. We're up. They're not going to let me cross over. And I was like, I like looked at myself, and I looked at the line, and I was like, is what it is, dog. But the worst part was the security guard was looking at me and he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, yo, I'm so sorry, dog. And I go over to Dana and she looks at me and she's like, oh my God. And I just took my passport out of her hands and I gave it to the guy. And he looked at me up and down and I'm just staring at this dude dead in his eyes. And I was like, what? Say something. Say say something, yeah. dude. And I took my passport, threw my clothes out, got changed, went to the Gucci store, and sprayed myself with fucking clothes. Yeah. So yeah, so this woman has We've company. All been there. I was gonna talk shit on this lady, and then I just realized I got a way worse story. Than she. I didn't get arrested, and I didn't want up my underwear so on a plane. Not a way worse story. Could you? Have you ever been drunk enough to be in your underwear on a plane? Yeah, I haven't been in that situation while that drunk, but. <laughs> Yeah, I just got bit in my underwear plenty of times when I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, my cousin's baptism was lit. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so the second thing here, uh, Britney Spears, who we've talked about on the podcast before, had her court case for her conservatorship to be uh, deleted, I guess you would say, and lost. Uh, she lost to her dad, so her dad will continue to run her life. 
Uh, I don't know how wild things have to be for you to like have somebody control your life for the entirety of your adult life. I don't even know what the deal is. But all I know is she she lost. She caught the L in that court case. Damn how, like how is she supposed to make a living when that's all she knows how to do since the young age is sing and entertain, do shows. And your parents are like, you know what? No. Well, I don't think she's gonna. Yeah, I mean, that well, seems like the no. So the, the thing is though. She can still perform, but she refuses to perform until she, her conservatorship is taken away. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, it's not like it's like, all right, now you have to get a job at a telemarketing company. <laughs> He's like, wake up, Brittany, get a job. <laughs> yeah. Get a damn job. Damn, Brittany, get a job. No, I don't know. I just, I like seen that and I was like, damn, poor Brittany Spears, man. She's just locked up. Like, for real. That's wild. Like, could you imagine, like, your parents having to make all your decisions for you and, like, I don't know what the, like, nobody's ever explained what the deal is. Like, she had, like, a mental breakdown in, like, two, like 2008. It's 2020. Yeah, man. Holy shit. I wonder if that's probably getting a cut of whatever she's making as long as probably. he's... Probably. So he's probably just trying to... Cake. Yeah. Cake's more off the top, yeah. Yeah. Dude, free Britney. We're a free Britney podcast, dude. Yeah. Free the bull. Next. Okay. So, Eric and Ken, this more pertains to you. So, the PS5 just came out and is hot in the streets. Uh, and then the Xbox just rolled out a new console. And apparently both of them are failing miserably like in their user interfaces. Apparently PS5 has some sort of like storage bug that is like destroying the consoles. Hmm. And uh, there was a video that came out of an, a new Xbox lighting on fire. So do, does the uh, does the nerd coalition here want to... I heard the rumor on the Xbox one is they're fake. People just get their vape pens and vape into the Xbox. That is Turn a, it on so it looks like a That is the nerdiest smoking. thing I've ever heard yeah. my entire life. Yeah. Quick, go get the blueberry mango I'm, mix. I mean, and we'll I'm not surprised though. Um, I mean, it's been new issues sh- with them rolling them out. PlayStation like didn't have enough consoles yet to like win yeah. a raffle. Uh-huh. I'm waiting. I don't got. What's the what's the be- what's the best console. one? Would you prefer Xbox or PS5? Yeah, I mean, I'm Xbox all the way. Xbox. I go either way. I'm gonna wait probably like a year because usually the next Black Friday holidays they'll have some yeah. sort of price drop. When are they? Uh, when are they bringing out the new N64? Cause that's when I'm down. I need to get a Switch. I would. That's the only one I would I buy. Kinda, that's what school. I was thinking of getting a Switch before I even buy a PS5 or a yeah. Xbox. Dude, that's like when we're on tour and Dylan Edinger, our photographer, brings the Switch. Remember we did that for yeah. South by Southwest, and I and I was sitting in, in the hotel room Mario like Kart and Mario Party. <laughs> I'm sitting in the hotel room like, let's talk set. What are we doing here? And you guys are like, oh, Shut dude, you up, <laughs> I took my shell, dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's my star. Eric's yeah. got three stars. He's about to win. Yeah. Uh, other, than, other than that, this is a real one right here. So uh, Live Nation has started to outline how they're going to get back to shows, nice. which for us is important. So I want your opinion on this. The rule is going to be, in order to attend a show, you have to either have a paper that says you have the vaccine or you have to have a negative COVID test within the last 72 hours of the show. Like, practically, that makes sense. But like, who's going to go through all that just to go to a show? I think motherfuckers would do that. I mean, if you if you have a big enough window, because a lot of people don't buy concert tickets on a whim. If you're right. gonna want to see an artist, ahead. you're gonna plan ahead, yeah. mm-hmm. and you'll just make sure to get time ahead of that. It's I'm just speaking more for like tickets, like small artists. It's gonna be tough for small artists to get out there. Like if your buddy's band is playing, like it's not well, like yeah, they probably didn't do shocking. The music industry doesn't care about small, small artists. artists. Yeah, yeah that, that's a shock right there. No, yeah. I'm just thinking about like like you're not gonna wind up going to a show at like Milk Boy and like go and see like some like small touring band and be like, oh dude, I gotta go get my vaccine. Like I have to have my certificate for my last test. Like it needs to be done, obviously. Yeah. Like, whatever gets us back to shows, I don't care. Like, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be in a bubble. I really don't give a shit as long as I get to play. If the vaccine is even something like a card you just carry in your wallet. proving That, that you makes sense. It. Yeah. 
I don't know. I've seen a lot of people bitching recently. I saw a tweet right before we came on here. It said, like, who's ready for their microchip in the vaccine so the government can control you? And somebody somebody tweeted back at him and said, uh, dude, you just unlocked your phone with your fingerprint to tweet this, and your phone actually knows exactly where you are right now. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't get those people. Like, like, you really think, like, this has been, like, some big thing so the government can microchip you? Take your tinfoil hat and get the fuck out of here, dude. I don't want to hear that. Hmm. Eric's over here, like I don't know, man. Government can wash me. I don't care. My life's not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I don't say. Do shit, like. Yeah, I was gonna, like You're making ramen yeah, for are, the fifth time this what week. Are you, what, are, <laughs> what are you hiding? <laughs> like what? Are you, uh, <laughs> like ew, that dude brushes his teeth in the shower. Ew. <laughs> right. Do you do that? No. Nah. You ever brush your teeth in the shower? Yeah, I have, but I don't. Do you? It's not a regular part of my routine. I do that pretty regularly. I'm not gonna lie. Not in a rush. What's your weirdest? <laughs> what's your weirdest thing you do? <laughs> That's pretty weird. Like in my life. <laughs> Eric's like I don't want to talk about I'm it. I'm not about to say that on this fucking podcast. <laughs> All right, yeah. Free. So that was the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. What's the weirdest shit you do? We can just ask the government. Yeah, just ask yeah. the FBI agent that watches me through my, my computer screen. Yeah. Uh, let's move into what the fuck we've been listening to. I'll start, then Eric, then Ken. Uh, my first one: uh, recent SNL performers, the Foo Fighters, just premiered a new song called "Shame Shame" off their next uh, album called "Medicine at Midnight." This has been like a polarizing topic. I'm a fan. Yeah, I listened to it once so far. Um, it was like three listens where I started to like it more. Yeah, I was going to say, I think probably give it a couple more listens. It's different for them. Definitely. It's rhythmic. Uh, Taylor Hawkins is driving the song with this yeah. like kind of offbeat. It's it's cool. I, it's different. Not, I'm a fan. Uh, Dave Grohl was quoted as saying, like, he's always said, like, we're like 10 albums in. If I'm going to like put something else out, there has to be a good fucking reason for it. Yeah. And their goal this time is to do, they're calling it their David Bowie Let's Dance album, where they want to have a rhythmic, like, cool. have something to dance to in a certain perspective. Yeah, because they're very driving, a very driving band. I'm interested, dude. I hope they did this one in the garage, too, because I really, I love wasting life. I feel like once you go in the garage, you can't leave you the can't garage. You can't leave the garage. <laughs> Just like us, we're in a garage <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, e, what's your first pick? Um, who do you think you're talking to by Dawes? Oh, I love Dawes. Yeah, I think I just came out of this record or something. I heard, I was just driving, heard on XPM. It's pretty cool. It's like, no frills. It's just like, this dude is literally just like. Taylor Hawkins, or ta- Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Goldsmith is a man. I love Taylor Goldsmith. Dawes, we performed with them at WXPN Fest go ahead. last keep, year. Keep talking about my song. Dog, you're playing Pokemon <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, and talking about my song. Go ahead, continue. Nah, that was it. <laughs> you got that Pidgeot? <laughs> Paris. All right, my bad. Uh, Ken, what's your first pick? I won. Catch his pigeons. Catch a pigeon. Shut the <laughs> fuck up, yeah, dude. dude. What's your first pick? Talking My first pick. Candies. I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> also, a new release from System of a Down. They came Ooh, out with sweet. two new songs: um, Genocidal, Humanoids with a Z on the end. Oh, nice. Very new metal, but um, very new metal. <laughs> it's I can smell the Jenkos <laughs> from here. <laughs> it's a pretty classic system-sounding song. Um, obviously, they're very big on the Armenian. Genocide. So. I was just gonna say, <laughs> yeah. and I read something too that they, they're very big on the <laughs> yeah. Armenian genocide. You know, they. I mean, they um, <laughs> try <laughs> to inform about the. <laughs> you made it sound like, like big supporters. Um, but I read somewhere that like they really hate each other. They don't hate each other. I think Serge, the one lead singer, and um, their drummer, he's very conservative. He's very liberal, and just oh. they they disagree a lot, but they can still at the end of the day. Hold a conversation, obviously make a. Yeah, they said they said there was like palpable tension in the room while they were recording it, but like I don't, I haven't listened to it yet. How would you describe it? It, It's classic. Yeah, what you would expect from System. All right, word. Uh, Just like System of a Down, I have four things by Freddie Gibbs and Big Sean. Uh, 
Dude, first off, great music video. They did it. it it's supposed to look like a post NBA Finals uh, press conference, and like they're like popping bottles in like the room, like the the locker room and shit like that. Uh, Big Sean and Freddie Gibbs, surprising combo, absolutely outstanding. Hit Boy produced it. Who's he's producing everything right now? But uh, Freddie Gibbs, Big Sean, four thangs, my pick. Eric, what's your second pick? Icicle Tusk by Fleet Foxes. Ooh, interesting. Is this old Fleet Foxes or off the new record? Um, I think it's definitely old. Um, it's I don't even know if it's like on an album or whatever. I think it's like an EP or some shit. But it's fucking soaring harmonies, man. Like you, you already know Fleet Foxes. Just like this kind of like dreamy, like uh, there are like two instruments on the song. It's just like a, a clean telly and like uh, uh, like a xylophone. And really. Like, Harmonies, yeah, it's fucking cool as shit. Is Fleet Foxes one guy? No, uh, I don't know like how they're bright, but uh, nah, it's more than one dude. Well, foxes, plural. Yeah, yeah. it's not Fleet no. Fox. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I really dig uh, Helplessness Blues. I love that record. Yeah, and uh, that song is fucking outstanding as well. Yeah. I never really dug too deep because my little Maddie loves that song. My little brother Matt loves that band. Um, I know, but I need th- I need to give some more listen to to Fleet Foxes. They have a new record out, so I'll definitely dig into that. Yeah, uh, Ke- cool. Kenny, what's your last pick? Last pick, I'm gonna go Many Shades of Black, Rock and Tours. Ooh, um, kind of similar to your Foo Fighters. I saw the Jack White SNL performance. Yeah, that got me on a little bit of a Jack White kick and his yeah. many many acts. But bro, shout out shout out to SNL for bringing on bands. Like, yeah, like real they're, music. They're killing shit. it with the music. They are killing it with the music, and it's cool too. You see a lot of people really excited for it. Like there was a period of time there where they were just like any SoundCloud rapper that was coming up, they were putting on. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that has to do with COVID and how there's really not that up and up with music because yeah. people are on the road releasing new stuff. Mm-hmm. So they got to go back to like the old favorites. I love it. Like I really, it, the Jack White performance was awesome. Did you see his drummer setup when they he had like he has it like leaned over right? It's awesome. He, like, stands up, I guess, and he looks like a lanky dude. Like, uh, so he must yeah. like. It was really cool to watch a three piece just rip, and then the Foo Fighters were outstanding. They did times like these two, which was really cool when they yeah, did that. Yeah, was was it like part acoustic and then part? It was or? just Dave Grohl in the beginning, but it was just an organ playing the chords behind. Okay, and then. All of a sudden, it just drops in because the whole stage was black. And then as soon as it dropped in, you just see Pat Smear, like, eating a cigarette behind there, like, just ripping. <laughs> He's killing it. Uh, all right, so that's what the fuck we were listening to. Uh, before we go into our interview with Tyrone Johnson, I uh, want to give a shout-out to our sponsors. High Brew Coffee, once again, 10% off all online purchases with promo code FOXTROT. Also, grab it at Wawa. Uh, obviously, we've been pushing that. You guys know about it. Uh, great deal. Get the triple shots. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to Body Armor, our friends, uh, hooking us up with some product. Body Armor is the superior sports drink. Keep you hydrated. It's always my after-show drink, the Fruit Punch Body Armor. They have great flavors. Ken, what's your favorite flavor? I like the um, mango. Uh, Dude, the peach mango is banging. And then there's a strawberry banana. They got blueberry. They also have uh, water. They have these, like, big, like, alkaline waters. Amazing. Great Uh, for hangovers. Good, great for hangovers. We're not dude. all athletes, so we have to get speak our for yourself. Dog. Hydration. After I play forty-eight minutes, you know, put up thirty-eight points, twenty-three rebounds, sixteen assists. I always down a body armor or two. Shut up, dude. Literally square up right now. <laughs> all right, let's head over to our interview with Tyrone Johnson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, your guest on today's Kill Your Internet podcast is 97.5, the fanatic personality, producer, co-host, I guess, of the Mike Missinelli show, uh, host of the Sixers Outsiders on NBC, NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's a big one for the band. we got Tyrone Johnson here. Ty, how are we doing today, buddy? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, we really appreciate it. And uh, I did tell you before we came on, the whole band are huge 97.5 fans uh, to the point where when we tour, we bring the app with us and we stream the Mikey Miss show every day while we're on tour. So we're... And I, that, that's incredible. I really appreciate that for sure. Dude, no, it's, it's a big part of our lives. And uh, it's funny, uh, Tyler Zuli, who is a producer on the, on the stage. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Northeast Philly guy. He grew up, he's my brother's age. So I've known mm-hmm. Tyler my entire life. And he knows one of my dark secrets that I am a closeted 97.5 caller. So a lot of the oh. times when I'm driving to or from the studio and I get caught in traffic, I wind up just calling into a conversation. So it's usually around Devon's show, but uh, mm-hmm. I am an active caller on the show. <laughs> no, that's cool. Oh, man. Uh, we start every episode just by asking, how's quarantine been for you? Uh, it's been cool. You know, um, we've had to be in the office because of the uh, TV, yeah. because of NBC Sports Philadelphia. So uh, that was um, – that, that part has been a, a lot of normalcy, which is good. Yeah. Uh, Sixers Outsiders was a little bit different. We had to do it from home. Like, I was doing it from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. And uh, Crystal and on um, where she is at her home. So that was a little bit different. But overall, it's been pretty good. How, how's it been for you? You know, we've kept really busy. It's been odd not to be able to tour. We canceled a lot of tour yeah. dates. Um, but we've done so much through Zoom. And that we, we do have a studio that we work out of. So we've gotten a lot mm-hmm. done. I just started to get back to, I write in Nashville on Music Row. So I go down there and I got to write down there. Um, And I was in LA right before quarantine started. So I hope to get back out there soon. But, you know, one of the first things I wanted to ask you just from an experience of doing a sports show during a time when there was no sports. You guys did an amazing job, by the way, because we still listened every day. But what was it like to try and find content every day when there's literally nothing going on? Well, at first it it was obviously, um, it was, it was challenging. And an interesting part was after a while, people didn't want to talk about the pandemic, right? which I understood. But then when you see the numbers coming back, I'm saying, see that whole thing that, where we didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Now it's back again and we might end up being forced to talk about it again, possibly. Yeah. Like this, I'm not talking about politics or anything. I'm just saying there was a reality of everything was shut down. Yeah. You don't want to talk about it. Things start to open up. And now lo and behold, once again, Things are starting to get shut down again. So that part was um, interesting to find out. I mean, listen, we're here to serve the people. Of course. And then after that, we were just trying to just make it as entertaining as possible for the people and try to give them an outlet. Right. And and just uh, because we're right there with them. We want sports back just like all the listeners and the viewers. Of course. We're not happy about it. (laughs) And that was another thing that we found out about. People were like, if you talk about the virus, you're rooting against them. Like, no, like today, literally. An Eagles coach tested positive. Yep. We don't know which one, but that happens, which means now the, all the Eagles meetings leading up to the Giants game are now virtual. Yeah. Like, they, they don't have to close the whole facility. They can practice outside. Right. But all the meetings, they can't sit in the meeting room. When they're looking at film, they'll be looking at it on a tablet or a computer. They had to make adjustments. We can't ignore the fact that that's happening. But it's what we're all consumed to. by. I mean, look, right. I, get the, I get the perspective of, look, we get it everywhere else. Let's leave it off our sports talk. But right. when it's the only thing going on, what are we supposed to do? And one of the things we always try and tell our guests what we appreciate about them, because we only have people on that we, you know, we admire or, or that are in our field. And the one thing I really love about the Mikey Miss show specifically, and it's untraditional in Philly sports talk radio, you guys talk about things that aren't always the most comfortable. It's not, it's not filler. You guys get into everything. And now yeah. some of it's, you know, you guys talk about music. And that, that's one of the things I want to bring up later, because I've always been a fan of your musical taste. 
but uh, sure. you guys, you guys went into the to the virus, and uh, I wanted to just commend you first off when everything was going on after the murder of George Floyd. The shows that you hosted and the conversations that you had were unbelievable, and you handled like such a pro. So that's number one to me, like the biggest thing that sticks out to what you guys do specifically. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, and we we try to be plugged in with people because. There are people out there, don't get me wrong, that just watch sports. Right. They are. They exist. And we try. We absolutely want every single one of those people. But there's people who like the Eagles, but they don't watch a lot of the NFL, let's say. They right. watch the yeah, Sixers. Yeah. But they're, and it applies to the Flyers the most, where a lot of Flyers fans really don't watch the NHL overall. They're doing other things when the Flyers aren't playing. Right. We want to be able to talk to them about all of their lives, not just one part of their lives, because we feel like they're like part of a family. And you don't just talk to your family about one thing. At least I hope yep. not. I hope <laughs> you talk to your family about a lot of things. Absolutely. Not just one thing. Yeah, man. And that's even today. Like, I always, I hate the stick to sports crowd because it's just not, if you're listening to the Mike Missinelli show and you listen to 97.5, that's not what you're going to get. But even Probably like, I, I was listening to while I was driving to the studio today, the conversation about Tony LaRussa and you guys were reading off emails that you guys got back. And I was yeah. like, wow, this is going to segue perfectly into the conversation. So just the way you guys can handle everybody coming through because it, it, it's a vast audience. And uh, I mean, what is it like talking to the Philadelphia audience? Because obviously it's one of the biggest markets in, in the country uh, and you get so many different people on there. Do you ever try and cater to one group or are you just kind of trying to blanket everything? We, we try to blanket everything. I mean, sports fans are still the bread and butter. Absolutely. And a lot of this credit go, goes to Mike. Um, this is what he's been doing for a long time on the air. Um, a lot of credit goes to Mike. But we try not, no, we try not to push anybody out. Right. And we want to have as big a, a, a net as possible because everybody really is welcome. At least in yeah. our opinion, everybody's right. welcome. So they may not always agree with what they hear, yeah. but they're welcome to listen to it. And we welcome you. If you disagree, that's fine too. So- but no, we, we try to cater to everybody, as many people as we can. I guess if you're a fan, there's certain things we're not going to hit. We're not right. going to hit a lot of reality TV, most <laughs> likely, because Mike doesn't really watch a lot of reality. I don't really yeah. watch. Sports are enough reality TV for me for the right. most part. So I mean, if you're, there, a Sopran if you're a Sopranos or a Goodfellas fan, you guys are getting that oh. covered on the show, obviously. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. We got you on that for sure. I mean, dude, it, it does. Like, there's a question like I have right off the top, because I listen all the time. And I always hear about, you always say you had a job in New York and you came back to work yeah. in Philly. What was that story? How did you wind up back at 97.5? Well, there was, um, at the time, Mike's producer had moved on to do a, another shift. Right. And Mike had, uh, honestly, he requested me. Oh, wow. He, he re yeah, he requested me. I worked with him before at the other station years ago. And I had worked there part-time before. Yeah, and I was working in uh, New York. I was doing a national, I was producing a national politics show wow. for iHeart in New York. And between Mike, so they, they requested me. And at first I was wishy-washy on it <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I hadn't been there that long. And you're working in the number one market, working in New York. Right. So there was a bit of a, a combination of one, love working with Mike. Two, closer to home. And my mom wasn't well at the time. She was oh. ill at the time. And being able to be closer to home made a big difference. Right. So it was a number of factors. But I'm glad, I'm 100% glad I made the decision that I did. Well, you're a South Jersey guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so growing up, guy. you were Philly sports growing up. This wasn't All in New way, York. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, no, no. Pensalkin. I'm from Pensalkin. Yeah, you're right over the bridge, dude. You're right yeah. over there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you wind up coming back to 97.5. And now you're even, because you're doing a morning show on the weekends now too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrone Johnson show nine to noon uh, every Saturday. I'm glad to see you guys get more shifts like that. I'm I'm glad because there's so much like in sports talk radio. There's so many like 
I don't know, lineup switches. There's been, but mm-hmm. I feel like the middle, the midday, you, Natalie, and, and, and Mike have been such a solid middle of the day for what, three or four years now? How long has yeah, it been? Three, three years now. Yeah, wow. three years now. Um, solid. Mike's obviously been there much longer. He's been there uh, coming up on, uh, on 12, I believe, as wow. far as him. There's been different uh, incarnations of the program. Um, he, he enjoys this one the most, he says. I trust him. He's not a guy who exactly uh, blows smoke. That's not his I was going to say, I don't think he just do it to like uh, cater to your feelings there. No, I, that's I, not really what he does. From my perspective, Natalie is one of my own. She's the Northeast Philly girl. So mm-hmm. like we salute Natalie for that. But, uh, sure. and I mean, dude, and the transition to you guys are doing a simulcast on television now too. Like knowing that, knowing you had to be on camera, were you expect like, cause that had to be a surprise in a certain perspective. Were you excited to do that? Or were you more built into the radio thing? Uh, I was more built into the radio thing. I never really thought about TV. Yeah. Um, personally, it wasn't really a, it wasn't a goal for me at the time <laughs> at yeah. all. Um, so far, it's been nothing but a blessing. Um, you get like a handful of haters, but of so what? Like, I don't care. Like that doesn't bother. Here's the thing. Um, the haters are in a way they're good. They keep you honest, I guess, if you're just completely out of your mind. But also it's like we do opinions as a job. Right. If everyone agrees with what we're saying all the time, then we're probably not doing a very good job. Who's going to listen opinions. to that? Exactly. So it, yeah, that's the kind of thing. The only thing with the haters is I think they sometimes think they could change our minds and they can't, and it's never <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. And more of them came with TV. With right. radio, you had your sort of generic radio haters. The TV haters are just slightly different. So that was the only thing that was an adjustment. After a while, we also did like a week or two of rehearsals that never got aired. Oh, okay. So you got the you got were, the you got the kinks out before you get on air. Yeah, basically just like when to look at the camera, when not to look at the camera. Right. And after a while, a lot of times we forget that we're on camera. But it right. took time to do that. So a couple of weeks, Booney does a great job as the producer. He was doing that stuff. He was working on graphics and stuff like that. Like that never got shown. Like we had Flavor Flav on the show, and he had it with over the Penn State logo because he was talking about Penn State basketball oh, and all this stuff. That all happened like right before we got on, so that would took a little getting used to. But since then, it's been it's been great. I know that game. I went to to Westchester University for communications, mm-hmm. and I did television and radio there. And uh, I remember always thinking like, ah, oh, dude, I'll kill it on air. I'll do the news per. I'll just kill it on air. And the first right. time those cameras get put on, you can see yourself in the monitor, and there's like that second read. It's like. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. So obviously your TV has worked out for you though. Cause you've gone over to Sixers outsiders and by yes. the way, outstanding job of all four teams. I was a college baseball player, at Westchester baseball is my love, but the Sixers are my team. And I right. think that's where I want to jump off to start. Obviously we're going to go through all four teams. But I want to start with the Sixers. Obviously a disappointing season last year. I think we all saw the writing on the wall before the bubble started. I think we all knew what was going on at that point. New regime. Doc Rivers coming in. I love what they did with their assistant coaching staff. Uh, and then you bring over Daryl Morey. So who knows what kind of changes are made. But in this short offseason that we're going to have, what changes can be made to this roster? Well, it, one, two things that can happen that would help the Sixers the most are Embiid or Simmons or both get better. Yes. And I still think there's room for both of them to get better. I agree. And with that. that's, to me, the, the, the biggest thing that can happen in this short offseason. Also, I, we... We've only seen those two guys, especially, and I guess we'll get to the other guys, with one coach. Yep. Now you have multiple coaches. Yeah. Multiple coaches, uh, Doc Rivers, but multiple coaches who some people around the NBA would make the argument were better than Brett Brown. 
I mean, like, Sam Cassell would have been a, a great head coach somewhere. I think he will. At Jaeger would have been a, a great Jaeger. head coach. A lot of people thought that. So you have a number of head coaches, basically, yep. as assistant coaches, in addition to Doc Rivers. So I think the amount of clout and I think this different style, because one thing that didn't happen was Joel and B got very, very few, if any, easy baskets. Right. Agreed with that. And when you don't give a guy easy baskets, that makes defense harder. Yep. And that, and it, it, you don't know if those guys are playing the right way off one another. Right. A lot of times they didn't compliment one another last year, Simmons and Embiid. So I think you're going to find that this coach is going to try, this staff is going to try to find a way for those guys to compliment each other significantly better than they did last year. And I think that'll make a huge difference. I mean, when we were listening to the shows leading up to, or after the firing of Brett Brown to when they hired mm -hmm. Doc Rivers, the names Dave Yeager and Sam Cassell got brought up a lot when I was listening to Devon's show with thinking about maybe we pull a trigger mm -hmm. on one of those guys as a head coach. If you can get yeah. them on your staff and you still have Doc Rivers as the figurehead, that's the best case scenario. And I think too, you brought up a good point. They've only ever played with Brett. And after a certain point in every single team I've ever been on, any kind of situation, if you hear the same voice over and over and over again, you start to tune it out. For sure. And uh, Brett's a great guy, and I, I wish him absolutely nothing but the best, but I'm really excited to see what can happen. Yeah, and one of the things that former players under Doc Rivers talked about is this extreme amount of accountability. Yeah. He'll go and tell a guy in front of everybody, yeah, I don't want this guy to ever shoot this shot, but if he shoots that shot, everybody in this room, shut up. You come talk to me if you don't like it. Right. So – and last year, there were a lot of players complaining about not knowing their roles. Gwen Robinson, for example, after the trade. Right. Doc Rivers is going to make it very clear to every single player what the roles are, and I'm pretty sure we're going to know that publicly as well. Yeah. Therefore, if a player isn't doing it, we'll understand why. If Embiid's not posting up, Doc Rivers will say why. If Embiid is posting up, we'll know exactly why. And I think those kind of things you didn't really get with Brett Brown, no yeah. disrespect to him. You will absolutely get that with Doc Rivers. Yeah, and, and there, was not, there was nothing – everybody wanted Brett to succeed. Nobody wanted yes. Brett to fail. It wasn't that kind of a situation. And he's a lovable guy, and, he, and he, it, he had great moments. I really do believe if it wasn't for the quadruple bounce, that team with J.J. Redick and, and Jimmy Butler on it was a championship-level team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and that, that's a rough break, but, I mean, that's basketball. Uh, I think looking forward, though, there's so many questions about the roster and reconstruction and things like that. And obviously a lot of people have talked about Al Horford's contract and moving that. And at the same time, mm -hmm. if it can't happen, I'm excited to see what Doc can do with the two big men and staggering in their minutes and seeing what they can get done. But if you could bring one person in here, because we've heard about James Harden, we've heard about Chris Paul, we've heard about Buddy Heald. The Buddy Heald mm -hmm. thing bubbled up yesterday. I saw something on Twitter. I would take that deal in a heartbeat. Yeah, that, that Buddy Hill would be probably the most realistic. I don't yeah. think James Harden's actually available. Yeah. I think the Sixers would take him, obviously, so would a lot of teams. Yeah. I don't think Houston, who just changed their team president and their GM and a brand-new coach as well, want to get rid of their best player right now. Right. Maybe trade deadline, maybe later, who knows. But I don't think that's very realistic. Buddy Hill is probably realistic, the most realistic, because he doesn't want to be with the Kings. Yeah. And NBA players can force their way out. Now, maybe he can't force his way to Philadelphia specifically, right. but he can get himself out of the Kings. And once he's available, the Sixers probably can make the money work. And that's going to be the key because the, the trades don't happen the way people think in the NBA yeah. because you have, to be matched, you have to match that money. This isn't a video game. You can't just pull the trigger on every move. When, right. I see, when I see the James Harden conversation, the only thing I get worried about is the fact that he's so ball dominant. And that, what does that leave Ben? You know what I mean? Like, cause that might have to be something you'd have to swap players or something. I don't know. But either way, I see Buddy Heald as a great three and D guy. He's a starter. He should have been starting last year for the Kings, which they're a good young team. They have, they're on their way. 
But I don't yeah. think it would hurt him to take on an Al Horford contract and maybe, you know, tank one more year, see what happens. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the edict is out there for them. They definitely need a veteran. Young yeah. teams generally don't win in the NBA. I don't know if they would take that contract, but if he wants out, you have to take what you can get, and people will not exactly offer a lot if they know for a fact they want you out, that you okay. want out. So Yeah, there goes all the leverage, you know what I mean? So we can lowball them if we need to. But, I mean, it's a good time to not have a high draft pick because I have no idea what's going on in this year's draft. I mean, they don't even have a consensus number one at this point. Uh, was no. it LaMelo Ball or the kid from Memphis who got suspended? Yeah, Wiseman. Wiseman. I don't know. I, I, I see this as a good restart for the Sixers in a certain perspective without having to completely retool. And I think, too, you got a guy like Josh Richardson who is unbelievably talented, hard worker. Let's see what he can do in Doc Rivers' system. Like, let's not just pull the trigger and everybody wants Josh Richardson out or, you know, let's just see what happens. Well, unless you can get a star. Well, I mean, yeah. You, you, you trade Josh Richardson in a second. <laughs> in a second, a dude, I'll pack his bags for him. You know yeah, what I mean? You get a, in a package for a star. But, yeah, he's going to have to shoot the ball, shoot the three ball more than he did last year. He is, passed up a lot of threes, and I don't think that's going to be allowed with Doc Rivers. Is Ben Simmons needs to shoot the most overused, like, call starter on 97.5? Like, how, like, do you just roll your eyes at that point when people call in and say Ben Simmons needs to start shooting more? I actually, I actually don't because it's such a fundamental thing to the game. Yeah. And what the difference it would make to his game. The one that's the most eye-rolling is the Embiid post-up thing because he yeah. led the league in post-ups last year, and he yeah. posted up 30% more than anybody else in the league. So if he's soft because he doesn't post up, what is every single other player who posts up 30% or more less than him, yeah. including all the other centers, by the way? The person who's in second is a power forward, Aldridge, with the Spurs. Yeah, He's second. Jokic is way behind. You name a center, they post up significantly less than Joel Embiid. So the calling him soft just because of the post-up thing is just factually inaccurate. That one is the one that's the most overrated to me. I mean, that always pisses me off, too, because you watch guys like Jokic out in Denver. They run their entire offense through him being basically out at the key and then feeding the ball around from there. He's not really mm -hmm. a down-low guy. Joel gets dirty. But for, for me, like, when I'm watching, like, the thing that irritates me the most about the Ben situation is when he shoots, he generally makes it from three. He's, he actually shoots at probably a pretty high clip. He doesn't do it that much, and it's just so odd that it always seems like it falls on the Sixers for some reason to have some weird little hiccup in one of their guys. I don't. Maybe it's it, karma. I have no idea. It, it's a strange thing. He posted another picture with him shooting the other day. I'm so tired it, of it. it. Yeah, it's just at this point, do it in a game. Yep. Or I don't. Like we'll just move on. <laughs> I don't need the Instagram updates anymore, man. Maybe we all know either. you can. We all know you can do it. You're just proving our point. Right. You shoot it before games, every game. You, you work. We know you work on it in practice. No, I don't think anyone says he's not a hard worker. Nope. We just need to see it in a game for real. Absolutely. I do feel good about where we're at. Uh, for a team that I don't feel is great, and I guess I, I don't know if anybody does, we'll go to the Eagles. And mm -hmm. uh, are we just resigned to winning the East at like six, nine, and one, and then getting a the first round knockout? Like, can we really expect anything more than that this year? Maybe you can get the seven, eight, and one. Yeah, maybe but that you get the seven, eight, and one. Maybe Seattle hasn't looked good recently. Russell defense Wilson's is, turned the ball over some. Their, their defense, defense is suspect, man. So, may, I'm saying maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you could do something. There, they're not a very good team. No. Um, the GM did not do a great job putting it together. The coach did not do a great job. The quarterback hasn't played well. Nope. The running back hasn't been healthy. The offensive line hasn't been healthy. There's a number of reasons why. Some of, some of the health things will get solved, but the structural issues with the team won't get fixed. And um, Howie did a poor job.
it's just amazing that we can all see from the outside looking in and just being like, there's so many holes. When you look at things like linebacker, we don't have, we have maybe one serviceable linebacker on the team, Singleton or whatever the hell his name is. And I didn't even know he existed until the season started. So yeah, it, T- it just he came off the practice squad. TJ Edwards played well at the, the previous game as well. We might have the greatest practice squad of all time because it seems like everybody we're pulling up seems to be doing more than the guys we started with. I mean, full that means you have you were starters of all time. And then why, and also, why aren't you recognizing talent better? Yes. Why did, why wasn't Fogum on the team for the first three weeks when you were holding a roster spot with Alshon, who still hasn't played a game this year uh-huh. yet. He was on the pub list. He wasn't on IR and Fogum was literally cut and any team could have signed him. And they're lucky. He's a walk on from JMU. Yeah, exactly. And he had a higher pedigree. He'd have been on another team. Cause clearly he knows how to play football. There is certain things because we, we try in every, like, first episode of the week, we try and recap whatever happened in the Birds game on Sunday. And uh, the one positive that we can take from this year is we have young wide receivers that seem to be serviceable. Like, it's not a question going into next year whether or not we have at least two guys that can make a team. Like, I, I really like – obviously, Fogan, we'll see how he pans out for the rest of the year. Greg Ward is a serviceable three- to four receiver. You know, he's not your number mm-hmm. one guy. Um, and, and then Rager seems to be, if, if he can stay healthy, you know, he'll be your deep threat. But when you're, you, we recycle so many guys and we give these extensions to guys that are way past their prime. It's, it's such a Philadelphia thing to do though. I mean, between the Phillies holding on to the 08 team for too long, the Flyers always keep their guys. We just can't cut bait. And I mean, obviously the one Brandon Graham was obviously a great resign because he's playing his ass off right now, but there's so many guys that I'm just tired. I love Jason Peters to death. I love him to death, but I thought I really was hoping that Diller would have been the answer this year. I, obviously, that's well, not he, his fault. But. He, yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, that's not his fault. No. But but now it'll be Peters and, and Lane Johnson most likely against the Giants, and it'll go from there. It it's an issue. It's it an is. issue. It's an issue. And now you don't know. Now for two years, you don't know if Diller can play. You, you you don't know. He first year up and down. Yep. He couldn't play on the right side at all. This year, he's hurt, so now you're going into the third year, and you don't know if you have a left tackle in the future. The good thing is, Mylotta has showed that he's at least an NFL player, which you didn't know before. He may not be a star, but he clearly is an NFL player, considering all things considered, and that's probably the one positive from all this. I got a great Jordan Mylotta story. We were, uh, we were home from tour, and I think it was like towards – it was like Thanksgiving, like two years ago. It was his rookie mm-hmm. year. And uh, me and all my friends went down to Tradesman in Center City to get uh, mm-hmm. drinks. Yeah, I've been there. And yeah. – uh, the dude at the front, the bouncer, puts his hand on my chest and tells me to back up. And uh, he takes my ID and he's looking at it. And I look up and it's Jordan Mylotta. He was just like fucking around with me at the front. He was acting like the bouncer, took right. pictures with all of us. That is an enormous human being. Like if he, can't play li- if he can't play line in the NFL, nobody can. Because I mean, nah, physically- he, he, yeah, he's big. He's athletic. Learning yeah. how to play the game. He's played less football than everybody else in the NFL because it- He's only played football for two years total, and now he's playing in the NFL. It's so, um, Yeah, so that's the one positive. Maybe he's your tackle of the future because you can't bank on Dillard, and no. he's one of your young guys. I think guys about, are older. I think about Dillard from a psychological standpoint, just knowing how, we feel, like how Philly fans react to bust draft picks mm-hmm. and just knowing that he's that, that's starting to circulate. I, I really hope that he can keep it between his ears, keep, keep everything right upstairs, because it's obviously a war on guys like Aguilar, if I want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and obviously, Ortega Whiteside is getting, getting that at the worst out of everybody right now. Yeah, because he, he, he's been terrible. He, yeah. He's earned that, unfortunately. Oh, he's absolutely earned it. His one touchdown comes <laughs> on a fumble from Miles Sanders. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. It's, it's, you know what? 
I'm just I'm just glad if you look at the playoff picture, we're still in there. We're in the worst yeah. division in the history of football. The Cowboys are terrible. The rest of the division sucks. At least let's ride it out this year and see what happens. But we this team more than any team needs to retool. I have no idea what to expect moving forward. Yeah, and, and they have to because they're over the cap. There'll be moves. Yeah. Uh, Ertz, for example, won't be back. He's not my first choice for guys not to be back. But the reality is they're not going to pay him. They have Goddard. They're going to move exactly. on. Uh, there'll be no Deshaun. There'll be no Alshon. Um, the Game 7 effort still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Ugh. The, the um, Losing in 7 was fine, but they couldn't even generate a shot. No. Uh, Hayes, Kevin Hayes, who had a really good year, really good zero year. shots on goal. Drew, yeah. your captain, couldn't generate anything at all nope. in that Game 7. You have to lead those young guys. A couple guys, I think the moment was too big for them, Agreed. making mistakes on defense. But that's okay. Like that, I can live with. Yeah. Um, I don't think the coach did a, a great job in that particular series. Yeah. But overall, Flyers in a really good spot. The only, my only question ever with the Flyers are, will the fan base hold them accountable enough to push them over the top? Because Flyers fans are the most agreeable fans Easily. in the city. Yeah, and I mean, because most- within our band, right, Eric, uh, our guitar player, who happens mm-hmm. to be my cousin, mm-hmm. Is the Flyers guy? Fly, you know right. Flyers fans. They are, you can pick them out of a lineup. You know who they are. Yes, because they, they're sure. fucking diehards. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see a change in attitude between me, who's like a casual Flyers fan, to where I'm like, they need to do this, and he's just kind of like, they're fine. They know what they're doing. They let shit slide, and I, it's it's odd. It's this cult like behavior, which I got no problem with it. A lot of my family are Flyers people. Yeah, I'm I'm a Sixers guy. I complain about everything. You know what I mean? So. Right. And that, that's the one thing, though. You have to hold. And this is why I'm saying the Flyers, good as the the one seat thing was great in the bubble, and they played well. And you're absolute. You're 100 right. They were ahead of schedule. Ahead All of schedule. that's. I want to make it very clear, very positive. I already had said they're in the best shape in the city. The Flyers. At the same time, they didn't win the cup. They're right. not the Lightning. And when you look, if you look at the Lightning. And, and what they were this past year, and look at what the Flyers are, they're not close. No. They're, they're not close in that the Lightning is significantly better. That means that a couple things are going to have to happen. Obviously, young players are going to have to get better, and I think young players will get better. Right. The goalie can still get better as he gets more experience. He can be a, a lights-out goalie. He's so young. He's so, so young. young. So many of these guys yeah, really are. And we, I mean, we have. Right. you want to talk about high draft picks. Nolan Patrick didn't even play last year, so we might, get, we might get that back. We right. never know. But, I mean, you look at guys like the Lightning won without Stamkos. He was hurt most of the finals. Right. To watch a team like that go and do what they did, right. there, is, there is something to be desired with the Flyers. But at the same time, I mean, two years ago, we were basically in a full rebuild. We're, we're firing our coach, mm-hmm. uh, get rid of Ron Hextall. God bless him. Thank you for everything you brought us. Because obviously, he's kind of the same hinky of this situation where he got sacrificed, but he had – he just wouldn't or pull Ed the trigger. Or Wade with the Phillies. Ed Wade with the Phillies, exactly. Yeah. He just wouldn't pull the trigger on these young guys, and they were like, we got to get them up. We got to start. And, and he, was, he was wrong for that. And I'm saying all that's positive. The key thing is, though, they're not there. And the Flyers fans should be hungry and not say, hey, we're just in good shape. They need to be saying, hey, what can you do to take us from where we are and make us the lightning? 100%. Because we want to win the whole thing. Because Sixers fans, after the first time they uh, they, they win, they beat the Heat, and they lose to to the Celtics in the second round, very similar to second – Flyers just lost in the second round. No Sixers fans were saying, hey, it's okay. Oh, we'll no. Just, no. And I think Flyers fans need to mash the gas because nothing's promised. Because you would have thought nothing's promised. Look how long it took Ovechkin to win. Oh, yeah. In I mean, Washington. He got, he's great at this point. He's got gray hair. That's what I'm saying. You thought 
oh, every year the, the Washington. No, they end up winning one, but it took, and the Flyers fans have to press the gas on the organization and make sure they're doing all they can to get to that next level. And that is that Sixers team you're talking about to where it was Ilya Sova and uh, Bellinelli coming off the bench. And we're like, that was good. Whatever. We got to the second round. We're over the process. Not good Whatever. enough. Let's go. Not good enough. <laughs> Fucking make a move. And we bring right. in Jimmy. And then man, that, that entire situation still like, yeah. I – Look, I've been a Sixers. It was a niche thing in the Northeast to be like a diehard Sixers guy. And I, mm-hmm. it was the 01 team. I watched it with my pops. And just it, it always stuck with me. And I just I fought the process the entire time. I almost cried when we drafted Embiid. I was in college because I was like, great, Greg Oden. That's awesome. Give me a, give me a big man with foot problems. I was wrong. Uh, but I brought it back to the Sixers, and I'm just going to get pissed off. So uh, let's move on to our last thing here. So mm-hmm. I, I brought it up earlier in the podcast that yeah. I always respect the fact that, you, you know, you guys do general knowledge Wednesdays and, mm-hmm. but the music stuff that gets thrown around on, yeah. on the show is fucking outstanding. Obviously Mike has his niche. He loves alternative music mm-hmm. and some of the stuff you drop on there. I'm like, all right, Ty, let's see what you got here. So I have a series of questions music wise, and I'm just going to, okay. what's the mm-hmm. first CD you ever bought with your own money? With my own money. Cause I'm older than you. My yeah. first CD that I bought with my own money would have been, it was actually, uh, it was Brian McKnight. It was r <laughs> Brian McKnight. Oh, I, hell yeah. It was, it was the first one I bought with my own money. I think the second one I bought with my, and then a couple more, I think somewhere in there was a Busta Rhymes and a Cappadonna. Oh, let's um, go. Had, yeah. yeah. Those were the ones I bought with my own money. Yeah, mine, mine are always, um, and it's actually like my two, the two things that shaped me for my entire life after, mm. uh, Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits, which makes so mm. much sense as a white kid right. in Philadelphia. That's just right. given, yeah. uh, I was in sixth grade college dropout, Kanye West, 2004. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Fucked me up for the rest of my life. It changed. <laughs> I yeah. learned so much from the college dropout because it introduced me to so many other artists for one, but the samples mm-hmm. he used, I went back and learned about Otis Redding and, and fucking Curtis Mayfield. And so it just yeah. adapted everything I did for the rest of my life. Um, what's the first concert you ever went to? First, the first concert I went to was Hammer, and TLC <laughs> was the opening act. TLC was the opening act? Yes. They, wow. I think they might have just had come out. Hammer was the first <laughs> one. The, yeah, that was the first one. I was like 10 or 11. And um, he had a thousand people on the stage, and I don't know anything. You're a kid; you just see all the. And then you wonder, like, why? How he was bankrupt? He was paying a lot. He was of paying people. a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. So the stage show was crazy, but TLC was really good. I remember not knowing the songs, and they were being really good. That was my first concert you just, that I you went. You just to. knew it was good. You're like, they, yeah. right, they, got, they got something. They just had something. Yeah. I fucking love TLC. That's a great band. Uh, what's the best show? Like your most memorable concert you've ever been to? Uh, was Prince the Musicology tour at the Wells Fargo? Uh, that, that was, was a, the best. that was a CD I remember buying because we lived across the street from Pat's Music, so I'd walk over. Mm-hmm. I was like a kid, and mm-hmm. uh, Musicology was on the rack in the front, yeah. and brought it home. And I was like, "Yo, what is this?" Showing it to my dad, and he's like, yeah. "You're about to learn." And then I yeah. think like later that day, I always tell the story on the podcast, but he brought me in his in his work truck, and he's like, "Don't tell your mom I showed you this," and he showed me "Sexy mm-hmm. Motherfucker" by Prince. Yeah. Ever since then, Prince has been a yeah. huge icon for me, man. I, yeah, I, no, it was fantastic. When he did Purple Rain, it looked like it was raining in the Wells Fargo Center. It was just 
That was the best show. I've been to a lot of shows since then. Like a lot, a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, that was the best one. You know what to know? You want to know the worst one real fast? Yes, I do. Absolutely. So here's the weird part because they're not the worst. It's Pearl Jam. Because oh. now this is how Eddie Vedder. Now this is when you would have been trying to do. You would have probably been in elementary school. Okay. Eddie Vedder had a very emo face. Yes, he did. Not in the music <laughs> and how he would act. So. In Camden, at the time it was called the East Center, it's had the million different the names. Center, Sesquiter yes. Center, yeah. Yes. So he's there, and people back then would mosh no matter what was on. <laughs> no matter what act was there. Is he doing black and <laughs> yellow lead better, and people are just moshing? People were going to mosh. But the thing is, that's what they did, and they were, no one was getting hurt, and it was just like the thing. This is like 98. Yeah, yeah. This is what everybody's doing. And then he stops the show, oh. and he's like, if you guys continue to do that, I will not play for you. And he got real emo. He's like sitting on the stage <laughs> and like, and then like, so people would move in there and stand in there. But the thing is, they were there to mosh for whatever reason. It's a project. So now, show. now they're not as excited. And now he's, then he stops the show because they're not cheering as much. The energy is shot. Stop. Yeah. So that one, and it really, it up until that point, it wasn't bad. And then I was like, come on. Because now I got all these high expectations. I have fully immersed myself in rock music at that point from yeah. the rap and the R&B. Here we go. Here's Pearl Jam. They're legendary. This should be great. No, it was not. What was that transitional band for you? So you're saying you grew up with rap and R&B, and then you yeah. kind of transitioned into finding your way more towards rock. Like, what was that band for you to switch over? The, the first, no, it was actually what started was my uncles are big jazz guys. Oh, sweet. So... They were listening to um, certain jazz funk bands like Incognito, the brand new heavies, um, Philly's own Gerald Beasley. There you go. People like that. I'm listening to that. And I'm already, so now I'm different from what my friends are listening to anyway. Right. Now, once you're different, just try to be even more different. Yeah, lean so, into it. So the first transitional band was Pink Floyd. Sweet. Pink Floyd was the transitional band. I'm listening to Dark Side of the Moon. And I'm going, now this is, this is something. <laughs> and then they, all those singers, the Stones then, they all, in their minds, they were all blues bands, in their right. minds, at least. They were saying, so they would have the black R&B singers and yep. different stuff in the sounds. They all, Stones, they all did that. Oh, yeah. So then Pearl, so then that went to Pearl Jam and the grunge people, and then that got to Queens of the Stone Age, my favorite band. Dude, and I was going to bring that up. The reason why I initially thought to bring you on here was because you were telling a story on the show about, uh, they were there was a poster, a Queens of the Stone Age poster hanging up in yeah. the hallway, and you took it, and it hangs in yeah. your office. I fucking love Queens of the Stone Age. Um, we had a, a weird, we were in L.A., and we were trying to do something, and uh, we wound up utilizing a lot of their drum setup, and I just wanted mm -hmm. to know, I am also a diehard Queens of the Stone Age guy, so there we go. There's a, there's a nice no, I appreciate that, yeah. It's funny you say like that, like, your friends are doing something else, and you lean the other way. For mm -hmm. me, growing up, my dad was a like a like a blues musician. That's like he would like played shows and all that. And that's how you got into music, sort of hereditary. Oh man, so much. I started playing the guitar when I was eight, so it got handed down right. to me. But uh, in my house, we didn't have any rap, nothing. Right. But all my friends were in. This was like the uh, the emo phase, like when all that shit was going on, and I mm -hmm. wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, this makes right. no sense to me. And right. then it was thirty six chambers and. Oh, well. Uh, Big L were the first two things that got handed down to me from an older cousin. Right. And that warped my brain and took me in a whole other direction. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, I'm a, like a hip-hop historian in a certain perspective. 
And I fuck hearing hearing you talk about the early stuff like that that shit makes me so happy. And I, you guys did do a top ten rappers list on yeah. the show, yeah. and uh, it was kind of a comparative thing. And you were getting you you and Natalie and Mike in there. So I've, I've said here, going up the top ten, give me your top five. Round me off a top five of your favorite rappers. Um, Jay Z's one, greatest career uh, of all for time for sure. Um, see, I have a for for me to be top three. You had to have had three albums. Absolutely. So I that's why. So then, so then Biggie, Biggie has to be four. Yep. Biggie's fourth. Not because now you can make an argument that he's one, but the, the Biggie, you can't be in the top three unless is, you have three albums. This is my argument with Nirvana a lot of times in rock circles, because mm -hmm. to me, we had an argument last week on the podcast about Foo Fighters versus Nirvana. And mm -hmm. I took Foo Fighters because of the longevity and yeah. kind of the way they've gotten to grow. I love Biggie, mm -hmm. but you only had Ready to Die and Life After Death, so it's really hard to, like, put them on the... Jay-Z's had 12 number one albums. It, what, right. what, you can't compete with that. He's untouchable. Right. All right. right. So, so Jay two, won. Two, yeah, and then Biggie 4. Two and three changes for me sometimes. Um, right now, the more and more I think about it and I try to dig in, I'm probably at Rakim. Okay. And this is why. If you listen to 80s hip-hop for the most part, yep. and then you listen to 90s hip-hop through, let's say, 2010, yeah. there's a very big difference. The person who I think helped best bridge that gap was Rakim Absolutely. in between. So that's why I have him, too. Um, With, without Rakim, you don't – because I always – Rakim laid the groundwork for people like Prodigy and, and Mob Deep and so mm -hmm. much of what happened in the 90s. So as right. far as a lineage goes, I think that's a great pick. I, th I, think, I think Rakim is one of the most important and most easily overlooked people, especially if you're not, like, up to that. Like, you're not up on right. that because kids today will say, like, oh, Biggie is, like, classic hip-hop or whatever. But Rakim, if you go back further, he set the trend for everybody. So. Right, he set the trend. Three, I, now this is what I try to do. I try to look at everything right. on the whole spectrum. And now three, I end up putting Kanye for this reason. Because of how um, copied, how many times he's been duplicated, yes. and because of the nuance of, of it, you can tell he's been in his peak. I'm saying up through Twisted Dark Fantasy. I was just going to say. plenty of albums, by the way, which is plenty of albums, by oh, the yeah. way. You can stop at that point. And he's had good songs since then. Agreed. Like, um, like Yeezus had good songs. It just wasn't a great album. I'm I'm a weirdo in that I love Jesus for like this is from my artist perspective like like looking mm -hmm. at it like this, where he was in his career he had just made Dark Twisted Fantasy and then he did Watch the Throne, and then he mm -hmm. was like okay I just did two things that you can consider prestige. and Watch the Throne was a a masterpiece by the way fucking amazing it, 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 listen to it, it holds up go back I and use, listen to it it holds up I use the word opulent it's just like mm -hmm. so luxury like mm -hmm. and he said you yes. know what I've done the perfect album I've done the luxury album. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed off because I can't get into the fashion world and I'm going to reflect it in this music. And from the top of Yeezus, it's on site with Daft Punk. And it, you know what you're getting from the jump. So I, lo right. I love Yeezus. Kanye, it, it, go, go ahead, after you. No, what I meant was, is that sonically, there are times where it's not meant to be uh, listened to straight through at times. Oh, yeah. I think you're supposed to break it into pieces. And that's, to me, it, I don't think you're supposed to sonically... Now, they say the stage show made a lot more oh, sense. Made, oh made it make God. a lot more sense, the stage show. I remember seeing that online. I didn't there's go a to giant, the There's a giant mountain, and he had, yeah. like, hordes of masked women and a Jesus figure come out. Yeah. Like, he... 
Uh, now, this is another topic. Oh, we have um, Bruce Warren, the head, the head of WXPN, come on here a lot, and we talk. Mm-hmm. And he knows my affinity for Kanye, although I will say post-2016 Kanye, he's a smack ass. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. There's something not right there. Yeah, but- he's meant he has a real problem, and people should be focused on getting help, not suggesting that he runs for president. He should be getting the, the mental help that he actually needs. This isn't a joke. Like, mental health is serious. Absolutely. He should take it seriously, and he should get help. He shouldn't be worried about running for president. He should be worried about he's a father. Yes. Take your medicine. Listen to your doctors. Yes. Get better. Raise your kids. Don't be running for president when you're mentally ill. There is there's very few people who get this many second chances in like the entertainment yeah. world or in or in life in general. Yeah. And Kanye is kind of in the same situation with Flyers fans to where Kanye fans will make excuses for what's going on. And I've been yes. that way for a long time to where there's just certain shit that he says though that I can't, I, I'm just like, I, I got no answers for that. I am, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, but as far as his artistry goes, as far as album artists in the last 20 years, there's nobody that comes close. As far as putting together concepts and, and putting you in a world of an album, mm-hmm. it's Kanye. And I mean, as yeah. far, uh, that's a great top three. It's yeah. funny, too, because I think there's one person that's creeping up on that top three, and this is not a, you know, an artistic side necessarily, but more of a career side. If you look at where Drake is in his career at this point. Well, well, I, I would say it's funny. Biggie's four. Yeah. Drake is five. Yeah. And, oh, my and, God. Absolutely. And you know what helped him the most? So versus. Everybody did the versus battles yes, during did, yep. the pandemic. What was your favorite one? He, if I had my, to ask. Oh, uh, my favorite one. Okay. For the jokes. The Teddy Roddy baby face oh was so my funny God. because you saw all the memes because it didn't work and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> Teddy Riley J- just standing there trying yes. to do <laughs> <laughs> Right. JD Kiss and Fabulous. JD Kiss got really drunk. That yes, was a good did. one. That was all But overall, for the music in some ways, um, oh, you also had Rick Ross and Two Chains. <laughs> yeah. Two Chains. There was a lot of good ones. My favorite one, though, was probably. Uh, Oh, yeah, Brandy and Monaco. There was actually a lot of good ones. There was Erica Badu and Jill Scott. Which that was a very, that was very my good favorite. One. That's my favorite. Yeah, that was Shout excellent. out Jill Scott. Musically, that was the best one. Yeah. I feel like you got 40-plus uh, songs and, uh, like, really, really good songs. But what I noticed from all the verses, there was a bit of a Drake stimulus package. Oh, my God. The, so an artist starts, because Drake didn't do it, but you would have thought he did. An artist starts falling behind. It, uh, um, it was um, what you call it, the one the RZA did. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of a sudden, he pulls out a song from Twisted Dark Fantasy. Uh, when, when every single person of the pulled out a Drake song, I said, wait a second. If everybody's doing a song that they did for Drake, you have to start putting Drake in that mix. I tweeted during the Rick... I tweeted during the Rick Ross and Two Chains one that Drake was working from home because literally every other song was a Drake song. It was, <laughs> it was a Drake, a Drake song. And look, right. you can say what you want about Drake because I love Drake. I really do. And... Drake is the Disney or the Apple of the of the music industry. He is a yes. corporation. He has mm-hmm. it down to a science. He's never put out of he's never flopped. He's never put out a bad song. Never put out a bad album. He's just consistent. And the only person with a career of consistency like him is Jay Z. And Jay is right. just above ever. It's gonna be tough for anybody to ever come near Jay. It just it's, it's gonna be hard. He's and he, he hasn't passed away, so he, there's always something. Yeah. Like he pops on the Jay Electronica album. Oh, here's the whole another. Jay, he, right. the whole Jay <laughs> Electronica album. Right. Here comes, and he's out rapping Jay Electronica on every track. Every so track. It's like, you know, he keeps showing up to keep adding to the catalog. So it makes yeah. it, even if you start to catch up, he didn't stop. No. So it's, it's like the time he stopped. 
it's like the Tom Brady and Drew Brees thing where they're both competing right. against each other and passing each other right. in that one record. Right. Jay's not going anywhere. Jay's like 50 and he's still out here uh, right. on songs with Future. By the way, I don't know if you're a Future guy. I fucking love Future. He's I'm my future one, guy. He's my he's my guy. like of the new crop. Like I I have a diehard thing for Future because I, I can't explain it. I just fucking love Future. Of the new group of rappers, like who are you interested in? Um, I was trying to. I was looking at it. All the crew that Griselda crew oh. right now. <laughs> the whole crew. Um, Benny the Butcher. Um, yeah, Benny's album. I I love Benny's Unbelievable. album. I think I can. You can make the argument that Conway's album I really like a lot. Pray for um, Paris came out. Uh, yeah, I'm oh trying to think. Um, little baby, I don't mind him. I like little baby. Uh, I, I like him. I should say. Um, I didn't look the baby. I didn't know. I. It's repetitive, and he's yeah. he's playing the numbers game right now, where he's just putting out record after record after record after record. Yeah. Um, up among the true mumblers, I still think the Migos did it better than everyone else. And then a lot of people started copying the Migos. Agreed, 100%. And, Once again, thank you to Drake because Drake came on Versace and, and put them and that, on. That put them on. And then a lot of people. So what I want, like Future has a lane. Yes. And there's a bunch of fake Futures out there. Yes. Now there's a lot of fake Migos out there. Yes. And I still think the Migos are the, the, the ones when it comes to that lane. That's Absolutely. who I would still go to first. Yeah. What do you think about Travis Scott? I like Travis Scott a lot, actually. He's interesting. Um, he's very theatrical with it, too. Very he's, theatrical. He's like Kanye's son. He's like Kanye's yeah, like understudy. In that way. Really like him in, in that way. Um, then you have the mid, middle class, uh, middle-aged people as far as rap. Then you have Big Sean. J. Cole. J. Cole. Wale. And Kendrick. Kendrick. Yeah, Wale. Yeah, those are fantastic. All of them. Absolutely. In fact, I do wonder where hip-hop would end up. Well, I'm glad. This is where I like the Griselda crew. Yeah, because um, I wondered, like, what happens if those guys were on a plane and there was like a Buddy Holly situation? Oh, 100 percent. Agree. What would happen to the genre? Does but the, the art crew tells me we'd still be OK without them. Yep. I would be wondering sonically for what I'm looking for. I mean, there's there's a few guys now that are still doing more traditional boom bap. Like, I'm a big Action Bronson guy. I fucking love yes. Action Bronson. Yeah, like Action Bronson. One of my favorite, like personalities just human beings i love action bronson um joey badass still doing it mm -hmm. you, you know what's crazy joey's been around since i was a freshman in college joey's only 25 that is like really? scary to think yeah, that he has crazy. so much music but i mean yeah i mean cole to me i love cole i mean i'm cole. there's a lot of memes out there of like j cole fans being like so die hard i they are cole can do no wrong in cole, my eyes cole, I, yeah cole <laughs> fans are and where I, he has a nice lane is he has a lot of female fans. Yes. And they're different from Drake's female fans. Yes. They're female boom bot fans. Yes, agreed. Which is well, something. He has a separate kind of fan, which is nice. I like he brings a lot of um, really good female voices out on it. Like Ari Lennox, mm -hmm. who I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of, is on Dreamville. Yeah, excellent. And She's excellent. That whole Dreamville record that came out, Revenge of the mm -hmm. Dreamers 3. Yeah. Introduced All 4,000 tracks. Yeah, I was going to say the, the bonus got Vince Staples on it. And we actually yeah. have um, friends of ours from Atlanta. Uh, they're called Hero the Band. They're a band mm -hmm. out of Atlanta that is doing really well. They just did, as the backing band for JID and Earth Gang on their Tiny Desk uh, performance. And they're actually coming on the podcast on Monday. So I can't wait. That's to awesome. It. Dude. That's awesome. I love JID. I love Earth Gang. Earth Gang is continuing the tradition of Atlanta weirdos bringing out uh, like the outcast and everybody. So mm -hmm. it's funny. We brought that whole thing up and didn't talk about outcast once, which is kind of sad. 
they're fan. They're, no, they're fan. They're fantastic legends. Um, it, nothing. It, there's so on. many good. Yeah. I mean, we left out a lot of bands too. Yeah, um, we did. I got a question about a couple bands more contemporary. No, uh, Glass Animals. Love Glass Animals. I love Glass Animals and uh, Cage the Elephant. I mean, Cage Elephant has been the most under the radar, consistent band of the past decade. Yeah. They've put out nothing but great music. They change their sonic palette constantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a big fan of Cage Elephant. Um, how do you feel about the Killers? I See, I like the Killers. There are people who are anti-Killers for I some reason. I love the Killers. I don't understand why you would be anti-Killers. I don't... They, I don't, I don't understand the issue. I think people got mad. They probably felt like the first album got overplayed. That's understandable because they're but next, that's not their fault. Not at all. Their record that came out earlier this year, Imploding the Mirage, unfucking believable. And the amazing thing about that is a lot of people were comparing it to the War on Drugs, who were a Philly band who won the Grammy yeah. for Best Rock Album. Yeah. Adam Grant Duciel, who plays guitar and sings for them, actually helped produce a couple of the tracks on the Killers album. So there's a Philly connection there. That's cool. Um, but one of my greatest show memories for us as a band, we played Firefly Music Festival uh, two years ago, and we yeah, were I've on been to Firefly. I love Firefly. We were on two acts before the Killers, and I got oh, to wow. stand like literally, um, like just right off the stage with my then girlfriend, now wife, and my little brother, and just to watch Brandon Flowers do his thing, mm-hmm. fucking unbelievable. I mean, as yeah, far the last as last like, time I was there, they were headliners too. They do the, they? I feel like they're there every other year. Yeah, my, they were there. Our year, it was uh, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, uh, The Killers. Uh, the best set I saw the entire weekend, though, was uh, we, I was coming back from a late night set, and I was just walking by myself, and there was like 30 people at this side stage while Eminem was playing, and it was Mike D from the Beastie Boys by himself DJing, and I stood there oh, yeah. in complete shock. I was like, what the fuck? I'm getting like a personal Beastie Boys concert. Unbelievable. Um, I guess the, yeah, the last question I'm going to ask you as far as music goes, yeah. who do you want to see that you haven't seen yet? Like, who's on your bucket list as far as acts you haven't seen yet that you have to see? Oh, that's so tough because I've been to a lot of concerts, so I got to think. You know, I don't think I've ever seen Outkast. I would love to see Outkast. I don't think I've ever seen Outkast. Um, I've seen Eminem. I've seen Jay, um, the Hard Not Life Tour. I've seen oh. DMX. I'm trying to think that genre. Seen, uh, seen Foo Fighters, seen McCartney, Steve, seen Stevie Wonder. Um, I'm trying to think of like the legends. Yeah, I mean, so, we got to think about who we have to see before they go in a certain perspective. I've never seen Stevie yeah. Wonder, which Fantastic. is criminal because I'm a fucking diehard Stevie Wonder guy. <sighs> yeah, because McCartney, them two are the top two left alive. Absolutely. Um, I, I haven't seen Lionel Richie. I'm trying to think of, of I've seen Lionel. I, um, I mean, I've seen the Stones. Um, I love the Stones. I, I, yeah, I've seen the Stones. Uh, who I'm trying to think. Who are the, trying to think how many? I, it's a le- I want to see the legends. Yeah. Before, before they um, go. Before they go. And I that, mean, and, that, and, and Outcast is probably the most legendary in that genre. In R and B, trying to think. I've never seen Mariah. That would be. That would be. That I feel would like be, she, Does she have like a Vegas residency yet? I feel like she has to be coming to that point. I think she, she did. I think she did. So I I would like to see her in that genre. I've never um, seen I've Alicia never seen Keys. I would. Love I've to never see seen Alicia her either. Keys. She'd probably be awesome. I would love probably to see Alicia awesome. Keys, man. Um, I haven't seen Nora Jones, and I'd love to see Nora Jones. That's I've my seen list. Nora Jones. Ugh, I fucking love Nora Jones, dude. Uh, you wouldn't love it. Really? Not lying. Is it, it too laid back? Too laid back. Too laid back. She I can... She's not going to make any adjustments for you. Understood. She's going to play to the record. She's going to play to the record. Uh, okay. And the background singers are also like Sade does oh. things differently. See, for but example, she has a band. Sade's a band. Right. 
And what she does is she will take a song and she will do uh, it quicker on purpose Love based it. on the crowd and the band will adjust. Nora's going to just give you, I'm not just, I'm just saying if anybody goes to, you're getting the, the record. You're you not to, getting a variation. If you're going not to like Nora they, if you're going to a Nora Jones show, down. expect kind of a lounge show. Like you're gonna be sitting. Yes. You just respect the music. But if you're going to see, I would love to see Sade. That was my mom's. That was my mom's. Like in the music or in the car music all the time. My mom had a yeah. wild ass record collection in the car. Mariah, Stevie B. Uh, <laughs> yo, my mom loved freestyle music. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. And then my that, mom had uh, three staples. It was just Bon Jovi, Springsteen, and Sinatra. Because my mom's an old Italian lady, so it's like. Yes. But then shocked me, dude. For like two years straight. Uh, confessions didn't from Usher didn't leave my mom's CD player, yeah. so I got a that weird, was, uh, I got a weird blend for my mom. Yeah, and that's the tough part. Um, in that genre, when you bring up confessions, everybody talks about if Usher did the verses. The problem is the only person from his generation who would actually be a decent matchup is in prison and should remain in prison. And that's R. Kelly. Oh, R. Kelly. Yeah, I was gonna say. And yeah, he, and he should remain in prison. I'm not, but so you can't do it. I don't know if Usher has any other contemporary sort of his age. It wouldn't be the same age. It would be a slight differential. I'd like to see Usher and Chris Brown go head to head. Cause the thing is though, Chris Brown, once again, probably should be in jail, but that's not for me to say, um, has more hits maybe than anybody over the last couple of decades. Like just on everything. And he's Everything. released a lot, a lot of music. That I Indigo think, record has like a thousand tracks on it. Yeah. I think Usher would win. But I, again, I'm saying I think. Out of what I thought it, Guru would beat RZA too. He yeah. That's, that, to think that's where this kind of started, what a fucking start to that. So you got Wu-Tang versus Jay-Z. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. I'm to think, who would I... We didn't bring up Gangstar, which is another thing that, like, you yeah, said. I mean, Gangstar, so it was Gangstar versus uh, RZA. I thought Gangstar was going to win for sure. I love Gangstar. Um, yeah. who, who else are we talking about here? Um, I'm trying to think, as far as versus goes, who do I want to see? We're I mean, talking about uh, Tribe versus Outcast is in the talks, and uh, Jodeci is going to do it as well. Oh, who's Jodeci, Jodeci going they, against? They haven't announced. I think it would have to be Boys the Men. It would have to be Boys the Men, absolutely. And what's interesting is Boys the Men has a lot of hits, a lot, a lot of hits. But do you want to hear those hits or have you heard them too much? Yeah. That's kind of like the killer's argument in that how many times will you want to listen to On Bed Knit Knee? It was number one in the country. Yeah, or do I have to hear Motown Philly like 100 times? You know what I mean? Like You have to. You're right. And if they play it, hypothetically it would win, but sometimes they were so big, people actually get tired of it. Well, the one that I know is scheduled is T.I. versus Jeezy. Um, I think – T.I. wins that hands down easily. Are you a Jeezy guy? Then I, started, I started digging in. Jeezy has I a lot of good features. I wonder what happens if he plays whatever you like. And then, which was a hit. Yeah. It was a hit hit. Or bring him out. That was a hit. Hit, hit, hit. Big and hit. Jeezy plays a more street record. Because yeah. it's all being judged by the people who... I do wonder how they will respond because Jeezy doesn't really have records like those. Yeah, he doesn't really have, like, because, I mean, uh, T.I. can do, like, Blurred Lines with Robin Thicke and, and right. Pharrell. But will people want to hear that in a battle? That's, right. the, that's the question. I'm interested in, will Jeezy fans all be like, I hate that? And yeah, Jeezy drops, like, something off TM-103, and, like, it's like, you can't do a love track after that, or you can't do a song right. of Rihanna after that. It's that's what be I'm saying. Like, he plays certain songs, or if he does uh, Seen It All with Jay. Yeah. And or then, go crazy with Jay, like you know, right? I, yeah. Like he got a, quite a few. I, that's why I'm interested. It's about the audience, and he has. Well, as you know, as a musician, yeah. it's the audience 
how it hits the audience. You might play your best thing. Right. Like, yeah, I don't want that. We wanted that other thing. And now, see, there's so many, like, because people keep asking me, like, can Drake go against anybody? I think the only uh, – Drake and Wayne would make sense, but Drake yes. would destroy – look, I think Wayne – is the father of a lot of what's going on today. And I give yeah. all my respect to Wayne for what he did in like 2006 to 2012. That mixtape mm-hmm. run is untouchable. That's the best mixtape run by Ever. far. By far. Um, G Unit had a nice one. Yeah. But the best one was. I yeah. have such a connection to the No, Seer- no Ceilings era Lil Wayne. Like that's, that's to mm-hmm. me like that's high school like riding around. Like that is like. There's nobody that Drake can really go against. Dedication two, I think, was my favorite. Dedication two, I think. uh, Drought three with the Beyonce, the Beyonce song, really good. Yeah, and then he did all that shit with Joel Santana. Yeah, all those. I can't feel my face. Oh yeah, yeah. Dipset had a nice. I was gonna say Dipset had a nice. uh, Had a nice mixtape run too. Did you figure you were gonna come on here and we would end up with a mutual Dipset conversation? (laughs) But they had the whole city of uh, New York wearing pink, like. Like legitimately, Pink they, first. They, they, yeah, they come on. They did. Yeah, it was Cam- ridiculous. Cameron and and Joel Santana fucked the game up, and then Jim Jones comes out with with his pop hits. He's got balling and yeah, uh, he had a great run. A great story from when I was a kid. This is how I'll leave you. I remember I was in like seventh or eighth grade, whatever, and I asked my mom for a Jack Johnson CD for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she accidentally bought me Jim Jones, product of my environment, <laughs> and it was the first thing I opened on Christmas morning, and I was like, oh. That's crazy. Yeah, that's I was like, very hey. different. You want to listen to almost uh, surf music. <laughs> and instead, and, uh, that's what you asked for. And look, I yo, I knew who Jim Jones was. I knew Dipset, and I was like, yeah, this is right. awesome. Like, thank you. And she's like, that's what you wanted, right? And I was like, yeah, definitely. And I just like looked at it, and I was like, all right, Jim Jones, that's where we're at for this year, I guess. So, yeah. Jack dude, Johnson, um, I've seen him live. I love Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson's got yeah. a special place in my heart. That's, you know, that's... you know what you're going to get from him too. But you, but it's different. You don't want anything extra. No, nah, it's like it would be a... weird if he started jumping around and doing like you like just go like going to a Jimmy Buffett concert. You, you know exactly. Yeah. You know, you better go sit on that stool and play guitar. <laughs> and stuff. like I don't want you doing that. Tyrone Johnson, this has been an absolute pleasure, dude. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, from the rest of the band, we just want to say, dude, keep doing what you're doing. We'll be tuning in every you. day. Man, it's no, been I really appreciate you having me. I had a, I had a lot of fun. I hope everybody enjoys it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, they will. Trust me, man. Um, Ty, any last words, bro? Listen, I just want to uh, thank everybody. Um, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks to everybody that watches. Thanks to everybody that listens. And um, uh, Tyrone Johnson's show, in addition to the Mike Missinelli show, every Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon on 97.5 The Fanatic. Um, tell a friend, and uh, you will be my best friend. Bro, we'll, we'll blast the word out, man. I promise. Tyrone Johnson. Absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you.